Trinity Baptist Church, a community growing in faith, obedience, and joy. Good morning. Um, my name is Gregory, and I am thrilled to be here with you on this new year to share a little impact of how Rwanda is, excuse me, how Rwanda is impacting my life. Um, I first want to read Philippians 2, verse 13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Uh, in June of 2010, I was really struggling with my faith, and I was at a point where I was desperate. I, I was just, I needed to be on the beach for a whole entire night to pray to the Lord, and I'm asking for friends, I'm asking for community, I wanted to be in I wanted to be changed. I wanted to be a part of something that was meaningful. And a week out of that dream, I'm sitting here in the back pews, excuse me, a week out of that prayer, I'm sitting back here, and up to the front of this congregation comes Jamie Spann, and I am introduced to the Rwanda missions. And I, in short, I had an out-of-body experience realizing that this is what I was called to be a part of in answer to prayer. Um, a few days later, I opened my eyes at Trinity and came out of my Rwanda daydream. I joined the congregation's applause and praise as we wrapped up our Sunday service. Despite my sudden intrigue about the Rwanda missions and a clear provision from heaven above, I was the first one out the door. Instead of surrendering to this sudden revival and taking action to enhance my relationship with God, I allowed myself to be distracted by considerations I believed to be more important. For those of you that do not know me, um, I'm a freelance performing artist here in the city, and the circumstances are extreme. Um, the whole idea of the starving artist, it's, the struggle is real. Um, <laughs> but I'm blessed because I wouldn't be able to do any of those things without his never-ending unconditional love and support. Um, that being said, I, I said no for two years to this calling, and I struggled, and I struggled, and I struggled. And then finally, I, I surrendered, and I trusted, and then I obeyed, and I went. Uh, and now I'd like to share another little excerpt. I only, this is in 2012, I only wanted to check out of my day-to-day -day New York City reality for a few weeks and just do God's work. Wrong again. Sure, I was sent to Rwanda with the team to practice our faith, and it became clear that my heart was part of the mission. But some still had questions about their purpose for participating in the mission. My observations of our team's purpose on the mission stirred in me during our entire time in Gasaka, but I was not moved to share until the right moment. At our final devotional, which means... Every morning, a team member gets to share some scripture or a poem or a song or a few verses, and it helps us get us, it gets us in the mood. At our final devotional, it was my last chance to see the entire team sit together in devotional. I had to say something, and I simply said, we're here to experience a taste of what it's like to live in the kingdom life. I noticed my statement took the table by shock. I continued with my thoughts. We were constantly in the word, in prayer, and in fellowship as a community. 
We were also practicing what we believe to be God's work in acts of worship. I have now been to Rwanda four times. Um, to say it's made an impact on my life is an understatement. Um, I happened to write a book about it. Um, You get something in your heart, and it says, I want to do something like that. I want to be a part of something like that. That's part of the calling. And um, I struggled for two years to accept the call, but when I did, I stand here before you to tell you that the struggle is real. By going on a trip like this, your life is going to be changed. You're going to see stuff. You're going to experience something that when you come back here to New York, you're going to reflect, and you're going to, you're going to notice that uh, you made the right decision. Um, one last thing I'd like to share um, in connecting with who you're about to meet and hear from uh, Pastor Keith we were, at, we were in Rwanda in our morning devotional and he, um, he asked us an honest question why are you here in, the, in Rwanda and we all went around the table and we kind of gave our justification to that to that question and when I redirected that question to Keith he pretty much summed it up for all of us it used to be we go to Rwanda because we can. Now we go to Rwanda because it's a part of us. And uh, I hope you can come. It's a really awesome trip. Happy New Year. Thanks, Greg. Greg was my roommate this summer, so we, we got to live together for a couple of weeks. My prayer... This morning for us has been that this would not be an infomercial for Rwanda, but that this would be transformational. Because we're not here to sell you on a mission trip. We're here to show you what God has done uh, in us and through us as we have taken part in this ministry over the last decade. And so I hope that you'll be moved by this. When I got back, you heard some of my um, story from the video when I um, was shaving my head and had a goatee um, and was a little younger than I am now. But when I came when I came back from the first trip in 2004 and um, we had a Hope Sunday and we generated about 100 child sponsorships that weekend. And um, there, God told me or, or impressed upon me that there had to be more than that for us as a church. That I, I am privileged to, to be a pastor and, and to help shepherd some folks. And, and I told the, I, I was meeting with the director of, uh, the national director of World Vision in Rwanda, and I said, I, I can't just keep going and saying, hey, would you sponsor more children? We, we need to be a part of this community. And so we broke the mold with, with World Vision and began to do some things that World Vision had never done um, by taking mission trips or groups over through World Vision initially. And then over the years, because we developed relationships with the local government and we developed a relationship with uh, local diocese over there, we were able to, um, to 
separate from world vision. Uh, I don't I hope that doesn't sound bad. Um, we didn't need them to handle our logistics anymore. We didn't need them to make connections for us anymore because we had those ourselves. So we began to do these trips on our own. And what has evolved or um, what has transpired over these years is that we have, we have put some deep roots down in these two communities, uh, Yamagabi and Murasoma, in the southwestern part of the, the country. And one of the things that we hear over and over and over when we go back is that we, that the people of those communities feel loved by God because we keep going back. It's not, it's not that we're building homes. It's not that we're sponsoring children. It's not that we're building schools. It's that we keep showing up. And I think that that's huge, that as we show our commitment to them, they see the love of Christ in us. And that does something for them. And as Greg shared, it does something for those of us who get to go. And, and Rwanda really does become a part of us. And so I'd like for, for Jamie and Sarah to come up. Um, uh, Jamie Spann and um, Sarah Page are our deacons of Rwandan missions. And these two ladies... Um, are phenomenal, and um, they really, they really drive this mission, and I'm grateful that they do. Sarah, tell us how you got involved and, and the impact that it's made on you. So back in 2010, Mr. James Leonard um, invited me and a few others, including my then-to-be husband, on um, a trip to Chicago to learn about Alpha and how to train others on Alpha. And somehow by the end of that Chicago trip, Dave and I were going to Rwanda, and that's how James works. Um, and so, Stay away from James. <laughs> Um, so part of, you know, James shared earlier during announcements about Alpha, and he had a vision that we could go to Rwanda and, and add on to our, our ministry training pastors on how to run Alpha at their churches. Um, so there I was on that first trip. And when I came back, I had an extreme longing and knew that I um, had had something more to do with our, with our Rwanda ministry um, and answered that calling. Fortunately, Jamie um, was having the same revelation that maybe I should become a deacon with her. I was not second-guessing it. <laughs> uh, so five years later, um, it's been an extreme blessing to be a part of the ministry. Jamie, how did you get involved? Sure. So I got involved in 2009. I had just moved to New York City at the very end of 2007, and was looking for a church and kept coming back to Trinity. And for those who know me, I love sports. And two things that were going on at the time were... Trinity had a softball team, and we were, we were pretty good, by the way. And um, we were doing the first Run for Rwanda campaign. We were running the Chicago Marathon, where at the time I was running marathons. So I jumped on board. And after learning through the about the ministry through that campaign, I signed up for the trip. And then Samantha at the time had approached me about potentially helping with the ministry. And so I went in 2009 kind of as a learning trip and just got sucked in. Um, when I was first asked to become a deacon, it, it frightened me. Uh, I actually called my 90-year-old grandmother to ask her what she thought I should do. 
And so I just, I just said yes, really not knowing what it meant. But I'm thankful. I've been going every year since 2009. And as everybody has said, it truly is a part of me. Um, and I'm frightened by the day that I might be called away from it because it is a special place for sure. One of the things you saw in the video is that we, we build homes when we go. That's one of the, the key things that we're a part of. And we've had 17 different families that have benefited from, from homes that we've built. And so um, we want to tell you about three that are fairly recent builds. Jamie, tell us about Specios. Sure. So you'll see a slide. Here we go. So we first built her house, just see on the left, in 2012 for her and her three kids. Um, and the, the impact that I've seen the most is really between last year and this year. So when we visited her last year, so we build the house and then we try to visit the families every year as well, which is a huge task. But we love to keep in touch with the families to hear their stories, to hear how they're doing. And when we visited her last year, it was very heartbreaking for the team. She was very sad. Um, many would say depressed. One of her kids had either run away or been kidnapped. One of her kids had gotten pregnant. And you could tell she had a huge burden on her. And she was very sad. And it really broke our hearts. But I'm glad to say, um, you'll see pictures on the right side of our visit in 2015. When we returned this year, it was completely different. And it was very... Um, refreshing and exciting and joyful for us to visit her. Her One of her kids had returned, but unfortunately left again. The one who was pregnant had the child, and they were all doing well, and her spirits were completely lifted. We were able to pray for her, hear her stories, and hear her updates, and um, it was it was a blessing to see the transformation over the couple of years. So that's one thing we certainly love to do is to visit the, the families each year to hear their stories. Yeah. Tell us about Innocent. So Innocent is our 2014 um, house beneficiary, and, and that's him with his, his family, his wife, Specios, their eldest, John Damore, um, their daughter, Juliet, and their youngest, Jean-Claude. And I love this family. They, um, as soon Everybody as, does. Yeah, as soon as we met them in 2014, everyone just fell in love. Um, Innocent, uh, when he received the news from the government officials that he was going to receive a house, he, they, they told us he immediately got to work. Um, and his house is very far up, and he carried most of the materials that were used to make his house, and he was there with us every single day um, with a huge, huge smile on his face. And one of the things that really impacted the group that year and, and since when we visited him is he is extremely grateful and expresses his gratitude. Um, but most importantly, he, he does say thank you to us and to our church. But he, we have witnessed him time and again get down on his knees and praise the Lord and acknowledge that the house has come from him um, and that the Lord is playing um, such a, a significant role in, in his family's lives. Um, the other part I wanted to share was just with Specios, um, his wife, in 2014, we, um, with Susanna Atkins, we did some women's ministry on the site, and we did different uh, Bible stories each day. Um, and uh, the, the day that I taught about the woman at the well, um, I was greatly impacted by Specios. Uh, in, in Rwandan culture, uh, especially in the church environment, uh, or discussions about faith in general, women typically take a back seat. Um, like many cultures of the world, they're a little bit more reserved. Um, and at the end of, of the lesson, Specios looked at me and she said, I'd like to pray. 
And she got up and she prayed for her group and she prayed for the other women in that group, her neighbors, her friends, and she prayed that they would be bold in their faith and that they would talk to others about it and share and and learn together. Um, And so it was just a very impactful, this family has had a huge impact on on us. Tell us about Beth. Sure. So one other one we want to share is, you'll see on the next slide, um, is the house beneficiary from this year, 2015, that we built you might be able to tell in the pictures maybe that she's blind. And um, that amazed us, not, not because of what she's blind, but because of what she does as a blind person and how she still rejoices in the Lord. And if you see in a couple of the pictures, she walks around in mitts and she's blind, just to remind you. It was just amazing to us. And one time uh, she lives currently, or she did live with her brother. Now that we built her new house, the, the picture in the bottom in the middle is her and her mother. So they now live in the house. It's been completed and painted and they're in there. Um, but one story that really got us when it came to her is our, tra- our, jo- our driver, whose name is John. He's driven for us a few years and he's like part of the family, part of the team. He was talking to her and he asked her, you know, you're blind and you have all these struggles. How can you still have so much Um, faith and joy for the Lord. And her response was basically, people who come and love on me like this team is loving on me tells me that there is a Lord and that he loves me and that he'll take care of me. And that story um, just really moved the team because we didn't really, um, she was a quiet person, so it was hard for us to get that from her, but he was able to sit down and have the conversation and he shared it one night when we had kind of a debrief moment and it really moved us and, and told us that, we are obviously doing the Lord's work, but that she's just an amazing person, a joyful soul, and we can't wait to visit her again next year. Yeah. And we, we're talking about building homes. If, if you're, you know, thinking, well, I don't know how to build a home. Yes, you do. If you know how to throw mud, you know how to build a home. Uh, it's, you know, it's not construction as we know construction. And you'll see some pictures later, but... But basically, it's um, anyone can do it, and and so you would, and you would have fun doing it. Um, part of our, you were going to say something. I was just going to say the word for mud is ichando, which is one of our favorites. So we we throw a lot of ichando, and we have a lot of great times, yeah. even though we don't know the language. <laughs> one of the things that that has become a part of what we do is are these pastor trainings. And uh, Sarah mentioned a, a little bit earlier about Alpha. Tell us a little bit more about what we do in these trainings. So since 2010, we've been doing global Alpha trainings. Uh, we've done eight in, in the country, um, training over 400 pastors and leaders on how to run the Alpha course at their church, um, truly recognizing the impact that Alpha has had on our community and, and how can we equip Uh, the pastors and and leaders of the churches in Rwanda. And it's been a huge blessing for us. And through that, we really started to acknowledge and recognize the deep spiritual needs of of those who are living in the country. It is a mostly Christian nation. However, there there hasn't been the level of equipping of the the leaders of the churches. Um, We 
things that we take for granted, books that we can read, um, speakers that we can listen to, those resources not available. So we started to acknowledge as a, as a ministry that, yes, there are physical needs that we can come alongside our Rwanda partners and address, but there's also the spiritual element, and what can we do about that? So Alpha has been one component. We've also, um, for several years now, uh, connected with 60 pastors in our specific communities who are across different denominations. Um, and every year we reach out to them and we ask them what they're interested in learning about. Um, so we've done all sorts of different trainings with them, whether it's how to put together an effective sermon, how to set a mission and goals for your church, how to equip the next uh, next leaders of your church to um, an impactful talk that Fred gave about reconciliation. Uh, and you were a part of that too, if I recall. Um, and so it, there's been um, various topics that we've covered. Um, and like I said, asking the pastors, what, what do they want to hear about? What could we equip them? So it's been a humbling experience um, for us because obviously you think I'm going to go and, and teach a pastor or something, or maybe you don't think this, Keith, but the rest of us I do. I do think that. Okay. Um, and, and it's challenging. It's extremely challenging, but it is the biggest blessing because the Lord just uses you. And if you get out of the way and you let the Holy Spirit take the lead, it's a, it's a phenomenal experience. And pastors are walking away equipped with um, with new knowledge and a new skill set that can help their congregants to grow to a deeper faith in Christ. Yeah, I would just add to that. And I, for a lot of years, I pushed back on training because I, my thought was, what do I as a Westerner have to offer to these folks? I don't know their culture. I don't know that what we do would even make an impact. And so I was really hesitant. But since we started doing it, I mean, they are so hungry for anything. And we have resources that they don't. And so for us to be able to just basically say, hey, I just read this book. Here's what it says. Um, they just, they're hungry. And so it's, it's really worthwhile. Tell us, um, we just finished a significant campaign, um, and we got something kind of coming. So tell us what we did and what's ahead. Sure. So the next slide you'll see, um, as I'm sure you all have heard and maybe are tired of it, um, since about 2013, we've been doing the Bricks and Blackboards campaign, and it's been a huge push for us. And I'm thrilled to say we completed it. We raised loads of money, thanks to all of you and your participation throughout the years. But one of the schools is the one you see on the slide now. It's the Kikime Vocational School. And the very top left picture is the building that was there the first year we visited. It was one building, and they had people in there, but they needed had a demand and a desire to expand that school. So over the years, you'll see pictures where we've been building additional buildings. We have now two additional buildings and have helped them equip some of those classrooms, and they're growing and growing. Additional needs. This school happens to be in the backyard of the refugee camp that has shown up in our villages in the last few years, so lots of needs there, but it's been a thrill to see the expansion of the school and and how it's helping those in the area. The second one, which you'll see a slideshow start here in a minute, is the Gitano Primary School, and this one has been kind of the big highlight for us. It certainly was on the 2015 trip. We started, we visited the school kind of blindly. The, the church, one of the church leaders and government leaders was like, hey, we want to show you this area. And we're like, okay, we, we don't know why we're going here, but we're going to go and see it. And when we showed up, it was one church building, 
And a lot of kids who were speaking English to us, and we didn't even realize they were speaking English to us. We were asking our translators to translate, and they're like, they're speaking English. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and so um, we visited them in 2012. We saw them again in 2013. But we got a desire for the, the help the kids go to school. And the kids in this area live too far from a school especially with the duties they have at home. So many of them did not go to school. So the vision of the, the church and the government was to build a primary school there. And so over the last few years, we've helped them do that. We showed up in 2014. They had built the first building. One of our translators, who's now a graduated doctor, came to us and just gave great accolades to the school and said, basically, it's a, a top-quality school in a very rural village, which was extremely encouraging to him. So that gave us good faith and the quality that was, that was going on. So we raised additional funding. In 2015, when we were there, we helped build on the second building. And so there are government requirements if you have to have so many classrooms and so many toilets in order to operate as a primary school. So in 2015, we helped them build on the second building. And by God's grace, the day before we left for Rwanda, we got a large donation to finish the funding for that school. And so one of our, our last day at the school, we were able to make the announcement to them that, hey, we have the funding to complete the school and get your kids in school. And they were thrilled. And yeah. It was a very touching experience for us to be able to build on it as well. Um, but it's been a huge blessing, and so we thank you all for, for doing that and helping us see the progression of this school. I, I will say that this school has <coughs> since been completed since we left in July, and the hope is that classes will begin this month. So it's, it's a huge um, benefit and blessing to the area. As far as what's going on next, um, of course, we're going back to Rwanda. Who's ready to go with us? Um, <laughs> we'll go in the first two weeks in July. We leave right around the 4th of July. Um, it, we'll build another house. We're still working on what the trip might look like, but it's never too early to sign up. We will have sign-up sheets downstairs. It doesn't commit you. It just tells me, hey, I'm possibly interested. Let me pray about it. Um, we'll also be doing another fundraising campaign. We know there are still some supply needs at the Gimme Vocational School, but we are also working with the government to understand what other visions they have going on for the area and how can we be most effective to come alongside them and help them. So we're working on that. Um, we may do another event similar to the run for Rwanda. I'm looking at potentially an obstacle course for all ages, four and up. And so stay tuned as soon as I can confirm a location for that. Uh, but something I want to share is, as, as everybody's conveyed, I think, Rwanda really is part of us. But as Keith said, we come back and the people there really appreciate the fact that we come back. But the house beneficiaries in the local context, the translators, the drivers, everybody we work with, truly sees Trinity as part of their family. And one thing that really convicted our team this year was they want to meet more of Trinity, especially even our translators and our drivers who we get very close with over the years. They had a conversation with us. We're like, why do we want to meet more of you guys? Because like, it's gotten to where there's a handful of us that go back every year and we take a couple of new people. So they really have a desire to meet, meet more of you. We have a desire to um, have you join our family join the Rwandan family. So I just want you guys to know they communicate that to us. It's not just another foreign group coming to them. It truly is family, and they, des they have a desire to, to meet more of you guys. So do prayerfully consider joining us one of these years. Yeah. Well, oh, I'm sorry. And if you're interested this year, potentially, we're having a Rwanda, a, a trip informational meeting February 21st. It's in the bulletin. Now you're done. <laughs> 
in a moment, you're going to see a slideshow from, from this past summer's trip. But um, I'd like for you to join me in, in just thanking the Lord for these two and their leadership. Lord. Lord, I am so grateful for the the leadership that Sarah and Jamie give to this ministry. I'm so grateful that you have wired them the way that you have and that they have worked together so well for these years. And Lord, I I pray your blessing on them. I pray that you would continue to impassion them for for this and that, that they would continue to serve our church and lead our church. In, in this very important aspect of who we are as we go out to advance God's kingdom. Lord, thank you for, for Sarah. Thank you for Jamie. In Jesus' name. Send me. 
Shine your light to the world. 